talked about how we were both going to have coffee and I see you brought your mug. Yeah. I, uh, the French has been pressed and I shall be doing the official pour to beginneth the tallest podcast on earth, baby. Yeah. I am. Uh, I'm jealous of the French press. What do you, what is, what's your method for coffee? Uh, I'm the typical American. I have a little filtered coffee maker here and uh, I just my favorite coffee in the states is um, Black Rifle Coffee Company Um, it's ran by veterans and they do a lot of stuff that gives back to the veteran community and I just started supporting them because of that but then they have like I don't know I mean they got like 30 different types of coffee and I just switch it up every now and then but um First of all, that's really that's really interesting to know. In fact, I the only reason I know about them is because Joe Rogan talks about them a ton, and I love his podcast. Yeah. So, um, but are you? Do you consider yourself quite a quite a patriot or what? Yeah, of course, man. I'm through and through American. I I have no uh, no experience with anything in the armed services or anything like that. But um, I think traveling the world has opened my eyes to a lot of different cultures and different ways of life, different governments. And I, I mean, I think ours is the best. And I think, I think it's the best form because it gives people of all natures a platform and, and an opportunity. Of course, I'm a white man, so I, I have quite yeah, you're a You're not allowed to talk up. about that. What are you doing, bud? <laughs> I, have a, I have quite a leg up on a, on a lot of, different people in the States and in the world. And I try to be conscious of that and and keep that in perspective, but I still believe that America is a place where anybody can make it. So I support that. I hear that. And it's been interesting even this year being in Poland and just seeing how so many people live their lives. I mean, I I will agree with you and you've been all over the place. Um, But just from even my short time playing in Italy and France and now here in Poland, Definitely makes you feel pretty grateful to live in a country where, first of all, like everyone's aware of the United States. Everyone speaks. Yeah. There's there's a reason that you know most people speak some bit of English, other than it being kind of the world recognized second language. Let's say mm-hmm. um, it's like the music industry, the entertainment industry. Like so many, I've had so many players tell me, like, man, I just learned English from. <laughs> watching netflix you know or like listening to music and you we exactly you realize like what a huge influence western culture has on so much of the world and in fact i was saying this the other day like i was in a grocery store and i heard a justin bieber song on you know like i don't remember what song it was i was jamming but i was just in the grocery store thinking like dude this guy probably makes so much money because in this like when we're in the in the u.s and this is just my ignorant opinion like we're only thinking about what's happening in the US for the most part. Mm-hmm. Obviously like when like what's going on in Ukraine and like other like world events, obviously most of us are aware of what's going on in the world, but for the most part like you live in the USA bubble. It's only mm-hmm. to me when I came out into Europe that I realized like, oh, there's like so much more going on that like 
as a kid, like I didn't give a shit. Like I was never a history guy or like I didn't care about world geography in like high school or college. You know, I was just like so consumed with what was going on in the U.S. And um, I just find it really fascinating now that like, wow, Western culture has a huge influence. Yeah, I think that can go for for anybody around the world. I mean, you have to be aware of your immediate surroundings to survive, to thrive in, in what you want to do. Um, I think a really cool part of our occupation, our job of playing volleyball professionally and with national team is we get a really cool experiment to see what other countries see about America. So like we're secret informants, basically, you know, <laughs> basically we are all CIA informants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, we get a really cool perspective of what America looks like to Italians, to Polish people, to uh, to Russians, to Japanese, to all over the place. And it's it's really interesting. And if you have an open mind about it, you can understand why a lot of people in the world disagree with some things that we do. They want to implement what we do into their countries. And so on and so forth. And I I'm curious. I don't mean to interrupt you, Matt, but I'm curious from, from your point of view, like what's been the overwhelming theme of what people in Italy or people in Russia think of the U.S.? Um, from my perspective, from yeah, from what I understand, it's I think it's the the very big elephant in the room is that we try to police the world in a lot of ways, mm. and um. I, I always make the joke, and it is probably in, in bad taste, but people hate the states until they need us. Um, mm. And I say that because we have one of the biggest, well, we have the biggest military force in the world. And I think a lot of the fights that we get involved in are for a noble cause. Um, but that's not to say that there aren't backroom deals that you know, for, for oil or for another political reason that, um, as a general citizen of the States and the world, we're just not pervy to, like, we just don't get that information because the government doesn't think we need to know it. But I think it's, yeah, we just, we kind of want to be involved in everything. And Mm. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but I also, I see the benefits it can help to, to liberating some people that are, are in some really bad situations. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot here for a second and I'm going to ask you as a secret agent for the United States, um, what's your favorite part about the job? Volleyball? I, I don't mean volleyball. I mean, like, what's your, the informant job? (laughs) Yeah. As, as an informant, like what's your favorite part of like. I mean, dude, you've been to like how many different countries, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. And to me, I'm just like, I want to get into deeper into like what keeps you going, but I'm curious just right off the bat, like, what do you enjoy about traveling to, to different countries? What have some, what are things you've learned from like, not just volleyball, but I mean, just life in general. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that's a, a, a very good question, but I think it's a very easy answer for me and it's it's the individual relationships i've been able to build with people that there is no chance in heck that i would ever have met them before um without this job without this pursuit of of trying to be one of the best volleyball players in the world because 
in in my process i i just try to outwork everybody and i think i let my hard work speak for my values and my respect of the game but also my teammates and i think that can be understood quite easily uh even without even with the language barrier i mean when I find comfort in it because I think that when I work hard, that I'm putting myself in the best situation personally. Uh, but I also try um, to convey that to my teammates that I'm not here just for me. Um, I'm here for all of us because over my time of playing, I've understood what the small stuff behind the scenes can do to propel our team, to propel myself, uh, to, to have a chance to win. And within that process, I, I have, I find a connection to an, a person that relative, I mean, I, I wouldn't have had before. And, and that, that allows me to then get that perspective of the culture of the people. I need to jump in really quick because I think you brought up two interesting points. Uh, I do want to get into your professionalism and, and, and because that's to me, one very obvious thing about you, that you're the guy who's like there early, thereafter taking care of your body. And like, I want to get into that. But it's so it's so interesting to hear you talk about um, how a, something you really love is individual relationships. And I will say I'm with you there. Um, it's the the part that I, I don't have a pessimistic view, but I've, I've gone up and down with this one because in some sense, you know, you you can get lucky and get a team where it's just like, it flows. There's like multiple mm-hmm. guys that you have like a genuine relationship. It's not just like, uh, well, we all we're work coworkers now, you know, but I've been on teams before and I'd prefer not to say which teams they were, but I've been on certain teams where it was like, we're coworkers. Mm-hmm. And it gave me this like really ugly view of what I was doing. And I was like, you know what? Fuck these guys. I'm going to focus on myself. I'm going to still do my thing. Cause I also, um, try to pride myself in being a guy who works really hard. And, to me, I was like, I'm just going to stay in my lane. Like, I'm I'm not going to focus on like trying to get everyone together. Like, I've tried doing that, and like, and some teams it's not like that. Some teams it's like, wow, this is great. These are relationships that'll last. But what I find so interesting is even the relationships I've had multiple relationships that by the end of the year with teams where I'm like, oh, dude, these guys are like, if they lived in California, if we saw each other more often, like they'd be homies. I'd want to like hang out all the time. Mm-hmm. But then you go overseas or you go back home. And then you go to a new team and you get a fresh crop and then you go back home and then you go overseas and you get a fresh crop. And dude, in some way, it's like, I mean, I've had players that I thought were like, oh man, this guy's like might be my new best friend. And then we barely talk, you know? Mm-hmm. And so in, in, I guess what I'm trying to say by that is, and this is a, a bad way to look at it, but sometimes I'm like, I'd rather just stay in my lane and you know, focus on instead of like, Hey, we're all going to a team dinner. It's like, like right now I'm trying to build a podcast. I'm trying to grow a brand. I'm trying to like give back to the volleyball community. You know, that shit takes a lot of time to like post videos and write captions and do mentorship. And like all the things I'm trying to do takes a lot of time. And it's almost like, well, forget like trying to build relationships. Cause why put in the effort for a relationship that in eight months, it's like, we'll say what's up once a year, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but I, I'm really curious from you because I've learned a bit from there. Um, because I do agree. I think understanding that you're only as good as the team as a whole um is that's how you win and that's what i want to i would love to hear from you is like where do you find the value in being a good teammate when you don't want to be yeah um well 
I mean, dude, I, I struggle with it a lot. And I, I can totally relate to that trying to stay in your own lane, just like, hey, just get through the season, you know, get paid, get home, play with the national team. I mean, my, my personal goals, just volleyball-wise, is, is to win an Olympic gold medal. And, and therefore, I do everything I can during the pro season to prepare me for the national team season to go and, and, and compete hard with Team USA to try and win a gold medal. Um, now that doesn't mean that I'm not focused on what I'm doing here with my pro team, because I understand that being in those high pressure moments and trusting myself and building up that reservoir of being able to trust myself in a, a really tough moment in a match doesn't, it's not a switch. Like you can't just be like, Oh, I'll save this for the national team and I'll be good. Like you have to practice it. You have to train it. You have to be in those moments to feel, you know, you need to feel your stomach tightening and your brain whizzing all over the place to be able to bring it back to center, to calm it down and play and do what you do. Um, the personal relationship aspect in, in, even though, I mean, you brought it up how you bring, I mean, you're going to a new crop every year almost. And I was lucky when I played in Kazan. I mean, I was there for seven years and mm. more or less knew all the guys that I was going to be playing with every year. Um, but since changing teams, it's hard. And those personal relationships mean something to me because the team means something to me. The, the goal means something to me. It's, it's the, something I've been trying to cultivate in myself is this passion for volleyball and this passion to compete and win. And like you said, the team matters and to have the best team puts you in a better place to win. Um, so that personal relationship, being able to trust my setter, trust the Libro, the other outside, the middle blockers for me to be able to trust them, they have to be able to trust me. And that's where I put in that hard work and develop that relationship, even if it's just one dinner a month or not even, you know, mm -hmm. just, a, I mean, I've had conversations with you in the weight room after training and stuff like that. Just a few minutes of checking in mm -hmm. lets you know that I, I care about you and let's let you know that, Hey, I, I'm noticing something. Um, maybe it's just something that's in my head, but how are you doing? What's up? Yeah. You know, you want to talk about something and if you don't, Hey man, that's cool too. Yeah. I just, I want to be there for you because I'm not my best without you being at your best. Dude, you, you, you mentioned before, um, talking about teaching yourself how to handle like really tough mental situations in high pressure situations. Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, were you ever bad? Were you ever not good at that? Because I'll be honest, like I, I never really got to watch you play in college. You're a bit older than me. Um, you're ancient. And so I never got to watch you play in college. And, uh, it's funny because watching you as a professional, to me, you're like the most even keeled volleyball player I've ever seen. You're never like so high up. You're never low. You're one of those guys. That's just like, you're a fucking robot, Matthew. You're a robot. You know, like, that's how I view you. You're just like, so on it, you know? And I, I like, I don't know Leon that well. Uh, but he seems to be, has like a similar tendency to you where he's just like pretty steady, you know, whether mm -hmm. he's playing good or playing bad, he's like emotionally, he's involved, he's there, but he's not like freaking out and he's not like super pissed. Um, is that something you, 
Now that's just for what I see on the outside. I don't know if you agree with that for yourself or not, but is that something that you like cultivated? Is that something that you just made a decision one day? Um, or am I just totally wrong there? <laughs> um, no, I don't think you're totally wrong. I, I, I personally don't like to get riled up because I think my ego is too fragile to be that rah-rah guy in your face. And then understanding the sport and understanding that I'm not going to play a perfect match. And there's going to be a point where I'm going to make a mistake or an error or what have you. Somebody's going to get the better of me. And that will hurt me more than the celebration will help me. Uh, but no, I, I think it's, it's definitely not something that I've always been great at. And I still don't think I'm great at it. I still work at it. It's a lot of self-talk. I, but I, I've worked a lot with uh, sports psychs. Um, Andrea Becker, you know, you know Bex. Mm-hmm. Um, and before her, um, Ken Revisa. Uh, Ken, uh, rest in peace, man. He was he was such a cool dude, and mm-hmm. and it, he he was funny, uh, but he had a lot of quips that were just like right on the right, like hit the nail on the head kind of thing. Like the one thing he's talked about because he worked with a lot of MLB pitchers was not shitting in your circle. So basically, it was like you know the the MLB mound, how it's like a, a circle of dirt. Mm-hmm. with the with the plate there and everything he was like whatever just happened that's fine take a step off go on the grass leave it out there but when you step in this circle when you step on the, the mound you're 100 percent in and so i don't know if people watch me play and like in between plays what i'm doing i'm almost always stepping off the court whether it's a good play bad play it's to leave it to let it go to take a breath and get back in refocus on what i have to do on the next play don't always get the chance. I mean, volleyball can happen pretty quickly, but I try to give myself that freedom to let it go. It doesn't always work. Um, so I, I've, in times when it doesn't work, I give myself little like keywords um, in, in passing. It's like, hey, just pass the ball. You know, you, I can, I know I can do it. So me just saying, just pass the ball gives me all the cues of being loose in my legs, in my arms, to be able to move side to side, forward, backwards, everywhere I need to be. Serving, it's a good toss, fast feet, fast arm. Um, Just these little things that allow me the freedom to just go play. Um, That's that's come over, man, 15 years of working with the sports psych and and being in big time moments as a professional and a national team player. And I mean, I'm ever developing and I have to because the game ever is ever developing. And if I stop, then I'm, I'm left behind. Um, I just, just like one off answer. Were you that way in college or is that something that took no. long? <laughs> no, no, man. I, I've been such a different person. I mean, just the last few years, but even over my time of playing professionally, I just, I, I don't think at my time at Penn State that I ever thought I would be where I am. So, volleyball was fun. I was good at it. My teammates were awesome. I had a really good, really good friend base of teammates at Penn State. Some guys that I still talk to to this day. I mean, Maxwell Holt was my roommate, mm-hmm. my college, freshman college roommate. Um, 
And back, so, back when you boys were up to no good, huh? Yeah, we were, man. Shoot, we <laughs> partied a bunch. We played a lot, and yeah. we just had we had such a good time that uh, it just volleyball was fun, but it just didn't mean that much to me. Like I wanted to win to say that I won. Um, so you were a competitive guy. Yeah, I want. Yeah, of course, I was competitive. I mean, I don't think that. I think that's something that's innate and natural in me. Mm-hmm. I was the youngest of five kids, so I was always competing for, I mean, attention for just wanting to be a part of the group. And then when I found my own group at Penn State, like it was so liberating and gratifying that I was like, I'm just happy to be here. I just want to play and let's go. Yeah, let's go party. Let's. Oh, who cares? Whatever. You know, let's just do it. And it just the process has become so much more intense and um, intentional that it means more to me now than it had perhaps. And college was just fun, man. Uh, well, first of all, I think I agree with you there. There's nothing like playing in college volleyball. And I, I was, I actually don't, I don't know how much of a wild boy you were. I was quite the wild boy in college for at least half of my years in college. Were you, did you guys, uh, you get in some trouble? You guys, you guys get a little wild or what? So I was, I would say I was a wild boy, but I didn't get in trouble. Somehow being 6'10 and like, gosh, I was super skinny back then. I still am. I was, I came in my freshman year, 6'7, 165. Let's go, baby. Yeah. That was my fault. That was fall. Coming for a spring season, I was 6'10", 195. So I grew three inches and gained 30 pounds in four months wow. somehow. Um, and I don't know, man. I still got like a sore thumb. I used to wear – I used to try to be cool and wanted to be like a, a skater, snowboarder. So I had like all these Burton hoodies that had yeah. like wild designs on them and everything Did you ever like skate that. or snowboard or anything or no? No. No, man. Come on. Uh I'm from upstate New York, bro. Um, but <laughs> what do you guys like, do in upstate New York? Hockey? <laughs> I don't know. We play everything. Yeah, sure. We play everything. Um, but the, yeah, I was just, I stuck out. Uh, the clothes were super ill fitting. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I was an awkward 18 year old boy that didn't know what he was doing and thought I could run the world. I'm really, but, I'm really curious. When do you feel like you really got to know yourself? That's a bit of a broad question, but yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, I spent a lot of time alone in Russia, and I think, and wait, just to be clear, your your path was you you finished Penn State your junior year. Yeah, uh, I left after my junior year. I didn't right. finish, but yeah, right, right, right. Did you ever finish, by the way, or no? No, I yeah. didn't. Why would you? Unfortunately, why the fuck would you? <laughs> Um, so wait, yeah. just give me like a quick little track. So you went, you went straight from Penn state to Korea. So I played in Korea for two years for Hyundai capital Skywalkers. Okay. Fighting. Nice. Uh, from there I went to Vibo Valencia, then to Modena, then to Kazan for seven years. Wow. Back to Modena. Um, went to Shanghai for two weeks then came home. Uh, um, and then here. And so you you were saying before that you, when you're in Russia, you spent a lot of time by yourself. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, as a lot I, of us do. I'm curious, yeah, <laughs> what that was like for you. Yeah, so I wasn't dating anyone. I, I mean, I didn't meet my wife yet, and just a lot of time, like three days. Man, they're they're great for the body, but sometimes really tough for your your mind. And um, I just I learned started to, started to learn what meant the most to me, and it was my intimate personal relationships, and that's my family, my friends. And taking the time to put effort into those, mm-hmm. understanding that a relationship is two ways. Uh, I can't expect um, my friends and family to give themselves to me and me ignoring them or responding only when I feel comfortable or wanting to. I'm curious, um, even, what does that what does that look what does that look like? I mean, you're overseas and you're talking about wanting to cultivate. You realize mm-hmm. how important intimate relationships are to you, but you're alone mm-hmm. in in Russia. And you, yeah, what does that look like? Yeah, now? have you ever have you ever done the the love languages test? Uh, if not, don't worry about it. If not, is it is it I with like the four agreements? Is it that kind of? Isn't there like one of those uh, like four love languages or something? I could be totally butchering there's this. There's five. There's five. There's five. There's five, I believe. Um, Mine's gifts. So it's like, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So there's gifts. It's like a way you oh, gifts show is one of them. you receive. Yeah. So oh, nice. Gift giving, um, touch, quality time, um, words of affirmation, and acts of service. Hmm. Uh, so those are ways that you show and receive love. And What's your love language, for me, baby? Mine is, uh, my, I show it by gift giving and quality time. Mm. Um, I receive it by quality time and touch. So, um, tough to do when you're alone in Russia, (laughs) super tough, man, super tough. But so what I did was I was able to make time. So showing the quality, like gifts, I could just order stuff online and like just randomly it shows up at somebody's door and it, that's my way of showing you that like, Hey, I'm thinking of you. I saw this and it reminded me of you and I just wanted to get it for you kind of thing but also a conversation with someone like actually engaging in a conversation and not taking, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Mm. As an answer. Like, I I really want to know what's going on with you. And even if you don't think it's important, it's important to me because when we're six months down the road now and we're actually together, I know what happens. I know what has happened in your life and I can, we can build off of these things. Hey, maybe I've been through it before and I can give you a little advice if you want, or at least you just sharing it with me allows me to know the the headspace you're in. And I, I'm not a fool six months down the road when I just bring something up that was traumatic for you or, or not, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm shitting on some idea that you're really into, you know, and it, you feel like I'm attacking you versus is something else you know like that kind of stuff and um i remember having conversations with my mom and her telling my family not to tell me things because i'm busy playing volleyball and i need to focus on what i'm doing but Mm. that doesn't that doesn't allow our relationship to be as strong as it can be and i'm an adult i'm i think a well-rounded individual that i can i can take information good or bad and go into training and not let it affect me. I mean, that's my job. I'm, I'm able to process that and put it aside if I need to until later. But 
I need to know what's going on with my family and my friends. Yeah. Otherwise I'm, I'm on an island by myself. Which is basically what's happening. You're basically on an island yeah. by yourself. And would you say your, your, your love language was, uh, how I, how I show it is gift giving and quality time. Yeah. And how I receive it is quality time and touch. Quality time and touch. And that's, that's tough because that's, that's what you miss out on. You don't get any quality mm-hmm. time. And we all know there's only one type of physical touch you're doing, you know, just to yourself. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just teasing. But I, I, that's, I, I mean, I, I think it's interesting to hit on because, you know, I, I remember talking to a group of college kids. I started doing like Q and A's with teams is something I started offering. And like, I remember talking to these college kids and one of them wrote me after and was like, you know, every time I talk to like professional volleyball players, they always talk about like, it's such a sacrifice, whatever. It's like, what the fuck are they talking about? Like they get to play volleyball as a professional. Like that's like the dream. And I totally agree. We get to live a pretty fun lifestyle. Um, But I don't mean to make this a pity party, but like, dude, there's also a ton of sacrifice. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had people say to me who played who played professionally for like a year or two, they tried it out and they were like, Oh, I totally get the life overseas or whatever. And, you know, I'm on my seventh, eighth year and I'm just like, I don't think you do. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's so much that, that we, we miss out on and give up. And a lot of that is friends, family, people you grew up with, um, people you mm-hmm. like you, you're with a team and then you leave and you sometimes don't see those guys unless you play them, you know? But like, if you're mm-hmm. in, for example, if you're in Russia, like you're probably not playing Italian teams unless they're in champions League. you know, like there's just, there is a, a handful that we sacrifice uh, from a physical standpoint, but then also mentally, it's like, what do you love? Like for me, I sacrifice being in the sun. That sounds fucking silly, right? Like who cares? I get to play professional volleyball. That's a big deal to me, dude. I I Mm -hmm. grew up in California, you know, like I love the sun. It's a big deal to me. And you realize how big of a deal it is when you don't have it for three, four, five, six, seven years, you know, now in Poland, it's like sun's out right now. And I'm just like sticking my face against the window just to get a little, you know, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious. Um, if you found like a, uh, what you, what you found to be your biggest sacrifices with getting to pursue the thing you love, like a child almost, you know, like in one way, it's so beautiful. We get to pursue this passion for life and the thing we really love. And most people don't get that luxury because it is a luxury that we get to pursue what we really love in life. Um, but it comes with a lot of sacrifice. And I'm curious as a guy who's played for a really long time, like what's that sacrifice been for you? Yeah. Easy time. Um, cause you just, you can't get it back. You can't get it back. And there's, I mean, I can't even count birthdays, holidays, weddings, anniversaries, congratulation parties, like everything that I remember growing up being a part of. And those are like my best memories as kids, as a kid. Um, I just missed them. I'm, I miss them all. And it sucks because like you said, volleyball for, for us is like our, our passion. It's the thing we get to pursue every day, but it's also our number one excuse for everything. Mm. And part of the reason I took a break in when I was playing in Russia, 2014, 15 was because of that. Um, I didn't like who I was. I didn't like what I was becoming even more so uh, because I was just using volleyball as an excuse. I couldn't talk to you because I'm tired. I have to 
to sleep without turning in the morning or or whatever, whatever it was, you know, it just, it became too easy to say no because of volleyball. When I realized like I can do more than I'm doing and I'm, I'm being really selfish and I'm letting this pursuit and this ego that I've developed run the show. And it, it made, frankly made me feel like shit. Mm. Um, but yeah, time is, gosh, it's so important. And that, that quality time I talked about is it's intentional five, 10 minute conversation with somebody that can change their day, can change your day, can change their, their week or yours. Like it, you can feel when there's true love behind a conversation or true intention behind a conversation and when there's not. And I want my friends and family to know that when I'm talking to you, I'm in it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here to talk to you and I'm not just reaching out to say, what's up? Because like, I'm, re- I'm, I'm supposed to. Dude, I'm really curious, like when you, and to be clear, this was when you got to Shanghai, it was like a couple of weeks and then you bounced out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, well, no, no, the, the break I took. Yes. That was in 2014 when I was playing in Kazan, my okay. third season. And that was yeah. within two weeks of going back there? No, that, so I played, we played world championships. Or was it in Poland? I think it was in Poland, mm-hmm. 2014. Yeah, for sure. And they asked me to get my visa in Europe and just go right to the team. And I was like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. But I didn't realize like how much that seven to 10 days at home like really reset me. So just to be clear, you're talking about you were with the national team for the summer. You guys finished world champs and they basically wanted you to go directly to Russia without going home. Correct. Correct. Uh, But I was like, yeah, whatever, that's fine. It shouldn't be an issue. I got there and we, we, shoot, what did we, we finished third? Oh no, we, we lost, we got kicked out because we lost to Argentina. Um, And so, just like disappointed in that and then going over to Russia and just seeing four walls around me at the apartment, mm-hmm. you know, back into the grind of home gym, restaurant, home gym, home sleep kind of stuff, like just repeated. It sent me down a whirlwind and I left. Um, fortunately for me, I was, I came back and we won champ. That was the first time we won champions league. Um, How much we of a break did win. you take then? Uh, I think it was two months. You know, the part I'm super interested in and the part that I loved about that part of your story, um, it was also, in my opinion, from what I had seen, the first time that like, because you're a big deal in the volleyball community, just in case you didn't know. And uh, like, it was the first time that like a guy leaves because of his mental health, like decides to make that decision and fucking good on you because that's a tough decision to make, to want to make, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I really respect you making that decision for your mental health. And it was the first time that it was like on the volleyball news, let's say. Um, And to be honest with you, I think it's a subject that's just not talked about enough. And I'm really curious. Okay. It sounds like uh, going from world champs straight back to Russia was like, let's call it your breaking point. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I have a feeling it wasn't just like all of a sudden you were like, oh, this is like, there had to be some feelings leading up to it. And I'm really curious, honestly, like 
how you've been able to handle national team overseas, national team overseas. Like the NBA, all these other sports have like <clears throat> two or three months of shutdown where mm-hmm. maybe they go on vacation right after the season's over for a couple weeks, maybe even a month. They go see family. They do what they want. Then they got like a month to kind of just like maybe rebuild, start seeing the gym a little occasionally. Then maybe another month of like ramping up. They have like the Drew League. They got their own kind of thing going on. We don't get that unless you decide mm-hmm. not to play with the national team. Um, you don't get that. And so for someone like you who's been doing this for what, 11 years, 12 years? 15. 15 fucking years, dude. What do I know? Like it's that blows my mind, bro. The fact that you just said 15 years. I, I'm like, I don't know how you do it, dude. I personally... Um, and this podcast is not about me. It's about you, baby. But I've been struggling with that for, you know, the last couple of years, just like trying to refine in myself, like, why am I doing this? Igniting, lighting that purpose of why I'm doing this, because it is a lot of sacrifice. It is really hard to be in a relationship, let alone be married. And like, you know, it's, it comes with a, a lot of sacrifice. So I'm curious, like, at what point in your career did you start feeling like, uh, okay, this is not just doing it for me anymore. I need some balance in my life or, you know, like... How, what was that like leading up to that moment where you decide to leave? Um, yeah, so I think it developed as my pursuit developed, as my goals and the passion grew in me. Once it really started like getting a hold of like my heart and my mind of what I wanted to do, it, it got really big. And the picture got huge and it was hard to see how I would arrive there. And so everything meant everything, but it also meant nothing. So like a small accomplishment was what I needed to do. I needed to take a step, but I still had a thousand steps to go. So it was really daunting. Um, And that's when I started to develop that hey i just want to be this consistent level of energy of whatever power whatever you want to call it of like just this constant pursuit like in a match i'm not going to be here i'm just going to be this constant push against the other team that is like relentless and that was like my kind of mindset but it was really hard to and it still is really hard to to get behind that. And um, the way I dealt with stresses and um, anxiety, which is a huge thing that I fight with now, is um, was I just drank a lot, man. Like mm-hmm. when it was really unhealthy, um, I was vodka. I if, yeah, I don't know if you're if you've ever been that way, but. I would drink until I just didn't think about it. And I mean, I was, to be honest, like I was having a great time doing it. Like I was, it was really yeah, fun. Sure. But just, it was like the regret of the next day waking up and being like, well, the thoughts are still in my head. They didn't go away. Like mm. they might have disappeared for mm. five, six hours. And that was a relief, but they're still in my head and they're still there. And I still have to fight this demon when I wake up and when I go to the gym the next day. And, so the, the decision Wait, to I, stop, go ahead. No, sorry. I just got to jump in there because uh, I think this is a really important thing to hammer home because 
I'll be honest with you, Matt, like, and you know this for sure. You're not the only one who deals with anxiety and stress and chooses mm-hmm. to drink because of it. I think mm-hmm. every team I've ever been on, there's a couple guys who are just like, every day. They're like, after we finish training, they go get dinner, like they're having a couple beers. And some of them, it's just a couple beers. Some of them, it's two or three bottles of wine. Um, mm-hmm. And that seems to be a consistent theme. Uh, mm-hmm. My Myself personally, luckily, I never, you know, I did. I raged. Okay. In college, I raged. And uh, I loved it. To your point, I loved it. And I was someone who I've always had... Um, know a pretty addictive personality and in some ways maybe a lot of us do that's why we're able to get to such a high level um at what we do is because we get addicted to the process right we get addicted Mm -hmm. to the thing we love which is volleyball Um, but volleyball is not everything in Mm -hmm. fact a lot of times volleyball is two hours of our day (laughs) so there's a lot of other time to fill and uh you know luckily for me it was never at a professional age it was never really drinking because i just felt like my body suffered a lot from it um, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't, as I got 24, 25, 26 now, you know, being 30, it's like, damn, dude, I'll have fucking two beers, three beers, maybe like a couple glasses of wine and like my feet are swollen the next morning. I'm like, I have like a mild hangover. I'm like, dude, what happened to me? So I feel like for me, as I've gotten older, it makes it a little easier to, to step away from it. But my big thing was like weed. I love smoking weed. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, for me, it was like, let's put in quotes, the healthier way because I didn't have a hangover from it. It like made me mellow. It made me feel like, and to my, to the point of like feeling like I had an addictive personality. Weed for me was like, uh, relaxing, hardcore relaxing. Right. So like when I train, it's like, I'm fucking all in like you, to your point, like I want to be working outworking everyone, not even because I want to outwork them, but for me, because I love the, the process of fitness and getting healthy and feeling good. I I'm addicted to that. So I got addicted to turmeric, eating healthy, eating clean. And those things changed my life. Well, when it came to like finish practice, I come home at six o'clock, maybe watch a little Netflix, whatever. Like all I wanted to do was like relax times 10 and relax times mm-hmm. 10 is like, why would I watch a movie sober when I watch it high? Just like mm-hmm. giggle a little more and like make me, make my body feel good. And like, and obviously like that's not much of a choice when you're, overseas, you know, because we get drug tested. And so trying to find, but you don't get alcohol tested, you know? So what do a lot of guys do? A lot of guys start smoking cigs and they start drinking. And Mm -hmm. those are the things that I think are terrible for you. Like anything, it's not good to be a slave to anything. Well, let's say, you know, like a a slave to that, a wave to to escape um, your problems and what's stressing, what's causing anxiety, because you're not to your point, you're not getting to the root of it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're just escaping from it. And I'm not saying don't drink or don't ever smoke. Like everything has its place in the world, you know, but like to your point, like to further develop and to live a life that makes you feel satisfied. And um, I think that that's the, the big one is like feeling really, um, I guess, satisfied is the way we'll say it again. But I, I'm curious from you because from, from my point of view, like that's why I started this podcast. That's why I started sharing more on social media. That's why I've been trying to like start mentorship and start giving back. Those things fulfill me. Like with some Mm -hmm. of the kids I work with, like when I watch them grow and get better and they want to work on jump serving, they want to work on these different things and I'm able to help them and guide them based on my experience. Like that gives me so much, um, fulfillment. Damn, that's the word I was looking for. Fulfillment, you know? And like, so I'm curious from you, like, where did you, where do you find balance? Because like for me, it's been, if I don't keep myself busy, 
I come home and it's six or seven o'clock and I decide just to chill, it is so fucking hard for me not to want to smoke or drink a little or smoke or smoke weed. You know, like it's super hard for me. And that's just the truth. And so I've been like, I have to keep myself on a schedule. I have to stay busy. I got to do this podcast. Then I got to edit it. Then I got to do this. I got to post. It's the only way I feel like I can start to build good habits that actually fulfill me. And those things take work. And for some people, I feel like it doesn't take work. They never really drank that much. They never really smoked that much. Maybe they have their own vice. They like fucking, I don't know, McDonald's double doubles, like all the time, whatever it is, vanilla ice cream. I don't give a shit. But like, I don't know for me. And it sounds like it's for a lot of guys that I know in the volleyball community, like it's not that easy. And so Mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, where do you find balance? Where have you found fulfillment, you know? Yeah. Outside um, of volleyball, obviously. mm -hmm, For sure. Uh, Therapy. Uh, It's getting introspective is and has been one of the hardest journeys of my personal growth in life because it's really hard. And it hurts because you you can't hide behind lies to yourself. You, like to 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 get did I say that right? Like if you're in therapy and you're talking about yourself, you know if you're lying. Mm. Like there, there's no ways around it, and you're not going to get anything out of it if you're not honest to yourself. And so cried a bunch and like just address things that and I still haven't found the answers to, but at least I know what the, like the, the question is. At least I know what is eating at me and I'm not hiding behind a mask. And like, dude, I, I still drink and yeah, I mean, I wish I could smoke weed too. I think it for my body, it would help me so much, but you can't. And like, I know the the rules on that are really kind of straightforward. And so like, I just don't do it, but I, I still allow myself to indulge a little bit. So like, yeah, I'm not having 20 beers at night. Like I just don't do that anymore. I mean, maybe occasionally, but like, I don't, I don't shy away from like, if I get home from training, it's really hard. Or like last night, for instance, we played against Trento and we lost three, two, it was a crazy match. And after like I got home, I just wanted to have a beer. So I had a beer. Like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't drink to forget the match. I was Drink like, to completion. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I just, I want to have a beer. It's cold, refreshing. And, you know, then the next day I'll, I'll drink some extra water and stay hydrated. And like, like I, I have the ability and the control. And like, I, I guess I don't. I'm lucky because I don't fight that addiction. I don't have to completely cut myself off to uh, to not go down a negative road with it. But I don't know, man. It's well, dude. It's hard. I I think the every once in a while this back. internet's going to cut out. We did. We're doing pretty good so far. Okay, we're back, dude. The only thing I wanted to say is I think you brought up a good point about how like when you're doing therapy, like you can't lie to yourself. You know if you're mm-hmm. lying, and I think. Mm-hmm. This is something I've said because I've had teammates before where it's been like, hey, dude, you got like a problem. It's like it's one thing if you're uh, like you said, it's one thing if you like you had a long day and you want to come and you want to have a beer, have a beer. Mm -hmm. No one's saying never drink again. Make your own decisions. You know, Um, I think the difference is 
at least for me, where things can get tricky is your brain has an amazing way of rationalizing all the things you want to do, you know? And I think yeah. when I, when I was younger, it's like, wow, my ability to rationalize all the shit I was doing is unbelievable, you know? Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I have to keep myself in check and good on you for doing therapy like that, because I think that's the ultimate way having someone hold you accountable. Um, it doesn't just have to be for things that you're addicted to. It can be good things. Also, it can be, it can be mm-hmm. whatever, but having some sort of accountability is just so important. Um, because also I think to your point, like it's good to, as you get older to learn how to hold yourself accountable. Like for myself now, um, it's actually why I don't really have casual drinks. So if like we go to dinner, it's like, I'm actually not a good guy to just have a beer because if I'm going to like, I think for so long, it's like, if I'm going to have a beer, like I'm trying to get hammered and go have fun. Like I'm trying to get weird and go dance, like get silly, yeah. you know? And so I, I avoid those situations now because not that I'm afraid if I have that first sip of the beer, I'm going to go down this path. To me, it's like, I don't, for me, like alcohol has like so many negative side effects for the body. I don't need that right now. You know, like mm-hmm. to your point, if I come home from a game where I'm super tired, like, games are like the biggest exception to me. Cause you just like, you worked hard, whether you win or lose, it was a lot mentally to be in that present moment. And yeah, we want to have a couple beers, like awesome. But like for me, like during the week practices, I'm not the guy to have a beer or two because for the most part, like the second I, I like justify like having a couple beers, it's just knowing myself, it can be a slippery slope. It sounds like mm-hmm. you got a, a pretty decent handle on it. And, you know, I'm really curious now. I'm, I'm very curious to know you're a dad, you got married. Like what was, uh, how much did that change? Maybe I can only imagine such a beautiful way um, and start to provide you with some balance to give you a reason outside yourself. Because to your point also, like we pursue this selfish journey for our, our own selves to develop. Yes, we're on different teams. Yes, you want to win medals, but it's about Matt and how good can Matt get and how much can Matt get paid and what is the best team Matt can be on? Like, you know, it's a selfish journey. It is. It's mm-hmm. like, it's the honest yeah. truth in, in sports or in professional volleyball, let's say, and other sports, I'm sure. But like, what, what was that like? Like once you, you found a partner you wanted to have a family with, like, were you always a family guy? Did it just like happen to be that way? And, and now you're just like a dad and like, what's, what's that life like for you now? I love it, man. I, <laughs> I really do. I think my life has increased in value tremendously uh because my wife is one of the most amazing people i've ever met and she pushes me to be better uh, she holds me accountable and we both have encouraging personalities to each other uh, we, she supports my volleyball 100 percent and this doesn't mean that we don't always don't ever have like disagreements on like sure. where I'm playing or, or, you know, if I'm putting too much attention to it or not, or, or not bringing like the hardest thing is to not bring what happened at the gym home. And like before we had our son, Jamie, and soon our, our daughter, um, it was okay. I was able to bring it home and, and still, decompress from it at home because there wasn't an immediate need for me to be there. Uh, I'm Matt, I'm super curious. What do you bring home, dude? Like what, what do you think about? Cause to me, like I imagine you like 
you go to work, you put in the time and effort, and then mm-hmm. you're out of there, and you're just like, but you're, you do. You also seem like honestly, you're a bit of a volley dork. Are you a volley dork? I um, in a lot of ways, yes, but not in the way of like I don't know what happened in the Polish league. I don't know what happened right, in the sure. league. Like that. That, that, of, that does bum me out that you're not following what's going on over here. But that's okay. That's cool, dude. I watch your I watch your Instagram story. No, I'm totally um, kidding. That's why I started them. Yeah. Um, I'm a volleyball dork in the pursuit of perfection. Mm. So, You're a perfectionist, huh? Uh, just a little bit. Uh, um, <laughs> the, so I bring that home with me. Um, I could have lifted harder. I could have served a couple more balls. I could have passed that ball perfect when I brought it off the net a little bit. Like that stuff runs through my head constantly 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 and you're talking about and practice too right not just the game more so practicing games wow more so practicing games um but for instance like last night after the match so my wife is about to have our, our baby girl like any day now um, wow what's that like for you so gotta like, you gotta you gotta jump home if if she starts giving birth or what's the no, I, I can't. I can't. We're, we're in the middle of playoffs and everything right now. I, I was able to, my team was able to let me go home for five, six days uh, uh, a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. just to be with them and, and mm-hmm. hope that maybe she would go on the labor early, but it didn't happen. So, um, so like after the match, like I didn't, I didn't think about them in the match at all. Like, I don't know how, but like in the moment, like I'm there, I'm in the match. But as soon as the last ball fell, like, like I got to go check my phone, see if like she went to the hospital. I don't know. Mm. And so like I was just in the weight room stretching and just texting with her and Facetimes her and, and my son, and it's just like it instantly switched. So like some days it's it's not even a question, but there's other days when it just I don't know, man. I, a thought can stick in your head. In, in error or a misplay can stick in my head and I use my drive home now to to think about it and sometimes like I don't even remember the drive home I just like I'm in the driveway I'm like okay well I'm home now and a different part of me has to be here mm-hmm. so volleyball needs to be done and I need to to think about my family and be with them. Well, and I think that you you hit on a good point because <clears throat> I think that's why it's so important to have balance because from what I'm hearing from you, the scary part that you might have to deal with is if you are just alone because you're such a perfectionist, you're thinking a lot. And if you come home, it's like maybe you're on your phone, maybe you're on Instagram or maybe you're like watching highlights or like you're you're thinking volleyball still, you know? I mean, I remember that especially when I first started playing overseas it's like if i had a good game i had like butterflies you know i was like fuck yeah i'm in the i'm in the super league i had a baller game i'm like watching instagram stories that people tagged me and i'm looking at stats i'm like you know and and then let's say i'm having a really good season it's like three-fourths of the way into the season i'm like where am i am i gonna line up to be top three middles like i cared about that stuff so much um because i had i was like you very passionate about what i was doing um and i'm I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, I think that's why having balance is so important because I think it's important. And to me, I like, this is me clapping for you right now. That's amazing that you've able to 
you've been able to keep that passion going. I would imagine for a guy that's been playing for 15 years, you're not like thinking about games anymore because you've been in every situation. You've played in multiple Olympics. Like what else could you possibly feel like? And this is, this is actually what I love to know from you. Like, what do you possibly, what could you possibly at this point feel like you need to get better at? Like obvi- obviously volleyball is a game of errors. So like there's of course maybe that one pass or that one, but it's like, that, is that where you're at now? You're so perfectionist that it's like, you know, you pass, let's say eight out of 10 balls perfect, but that one that you shanked or whatever, like you're thinking about how could I make that little adjustment? Because if that's how you think, that's fucking crazy and good for you, bro. That's, I mean, that's a, a testament to why you're like such a baller. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do think about that, but my, my overall... I think what makes me, I think what makes teams want to have me on their team and and what I hope is the intangible um, part that I bring to the game. And that's, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to serve like Leon. I'm not going to spike like Leon. I mean, I I can every now and then, but I'm not going to do it for an entire season. Um, I'm not going to pass the ball like Eric Shoji does. I'm not going to get digs like Rabinikov. I'm not going to block like Grozer. Like I'm just, there's guys that are better than me at every skill. Mm. But I don't think anybody is going to out-team me. And I mean that in the way of what I can bring to a team is that constant calm of confidence and respect for what we're doing. Um, And that's my hard work and trainings, getting there early, making sure that if I don't feel great physically, I'm going to put myself in the best position to be ready for training. That means I got to, you know, activate for 20, 30 minutes in the weight room before I come like down there, I'm doing it. Like, so that uh, means you, I got to stay after and, and ice bath or, or whatever, like after I'm going to do that. Um, but I think what I, I, what I want, I want to leave the team better than when I came in the fact that people like when I'm gone, I want them to miss me. Uh, uh, I want them to be like, we're missing something. I'm I'm very curious how you brought up two you brought up two things that I wanted to jump in, but let's start with one. The first one is I'm curious how you um, have handled different roles in your career. You know, because you say you try to be the calm, the consistent. You're the true daddy, you know. Daddy's got to stay calm and consistent. And uh, <clears throat> you know, the thing I think about is, for example, there's always I've always played on a team where there's like one guy who's like kind of the shit talker, you know, the guy who's like just waiting to get riled up. And I remember playing in France feeling like I want to go back to Italy. Like I'm fucking better than this league. I'm better than the guy in front of me. Like I needed that. You know, I hated it because I feel like I didn't like who I was when I became overly competitive. And I was that way as a kid too. It's why I stopped for a while and became a skater. I thought I was gonna be a professional skater. That's why I stopped organized sports because I hated who I became when I was like fucking all in and competitive. Mm -hmm. Um, But I noticed like even now it's like I have to have some of that because I tried, let's call it your style. I've tried to be even the last year or so like just be cool. Like I'm gonna just focus on my thing. I'm gonna be a good teammate. I'm not gonna be super high. I'm not gonna be super low. 
And like for me, honestly, it doesn't work all the time. And now that doesn't mean that I have to be like flipping people off and talking shit or just like constantly staring over the net. That's not me either. But in my head, at least, I have to have a little bit of fuck you. Mm-hmm. I have to because yeah. I'm I'm a small undersized guy. I'm not the biggest vertical. To your point, it's like there's someone who's better than me at every skill as a middle blocker, you know, except setting. I'm the fucking best middle blocker setter in the entire world. I'll, I'll say it right now. Golden Eagle, bro. Golden Eagle, baby. That's right. Wait, Matt, I, lo- I lost you. We, we had our 10 second intermission here because of the Polish internet. We're back. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, changing roles. Um, came on the national team, young outside. The big, like, just started coming up in international play at that point. Like, Dante from Brazil was absolutely crushing it. And I remember at that time, I was really into watching volleyball clips and stuff like that. And uh, just watching him bounce picks and, like, trot underneath the net, like, all this just, like, super confident, cocky guy. Like, I just destroyed this ball kind of thing. I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so, like, that's what I tried to do. And then uh developed into like just this i was kind of a i was skinny but i was like a bomber on the outside and that's what i did i served hard and i spiked high balls like that's it and then i went into the professional ranks and like you can't be an outside in the professional league and not pass the ball Mm. so i got into like this super probably unhealthy for a little bit mindset of like i'm just gonna pass the ball I'm just going to pass the ball. And so I was able to develop quite a good platform in passing the ball and able to cover a lot of court. And I understood after that, like in one skill, honing one skill can really help a team because passing the ball well doesn't just help me. Like we can run the quick, we can run the big, we can run, you know, we can have five, six options five options at one time if I pass the ball well Mm. like so this is such a huge skill that I'm glad that I I have it in my repertoire so I gotta I gotta keep this sharp for all my career and then I went to Kazan and you learn quick when you go to Russia that cute little shots and you know not being able to bang high hands you're not going to get very far Mm. So I learned to just be a brute again, man, like to pass the ball, but just to kind of, for a lack of a better term, be a man on the court. Like Wait, just go out there and I, I just, no, I just want to hop in really quick because I think you bring up such an important thing for a lot of younger players listening. It's at least for me, what I think is interesting, for example, we got a, a new guy um, about a couple months ago young kid who jumps really well like jumps out the gym and just like most kids like just wants to bang you know like just trying to bounce balls we do hitting lines he's trying to hit two balls just bounce balls um and it's the same it's like he hasn't learned the skill of blasting off hands yet because all he wants to do is bounce the ball and his reception is not very good and that seems to be like a very common young player uh, especially like a college kid kind of thing, you know, where it's like mm-hmm. kids just want to bounce the ball because it's the most gratifying thing. And they're not thinking about passing first. They're thinking about like, Oh, I'll just like just pass the ball, but they're already thinking about hitting. And I'm curious, sure. like it, it sounds like you, you embody that you had a little bit of that. And then as you, and I have the same feeling, it's like, as you go overseas, you learn very quickly that like, 
you need to be able to blast hands. And in fact, they can be your best friend. And in yeah. fact, I think you've made a career on it. I mean, you are so good at blasting hands out of bounds. It's like your thing now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You have to be because every team is, as the game develops, middle blockers and pin hitters are getting better at reading the game, getting better at blocking in system, uh, even on fastballs to the pin. Like you're almost, you're, I'm going to go out there and say that like 99% of the time, if not more, you are spiking with at least one good block in front of you, mm. two hands in your face. And you just, you can't spike straight down every time. Like it's just not going to work. It's not going to work out well. You can, you're just going to get blocked. Um, but I, uh, that kind of brought something up in my memory of when I was in college and I loved hitting lines. The molten pro touch was one of the best balls in the world for, for bouncing. <laughs> for sure. And my setter in college used to give me 50-50 balls and warm-ups all the time. And ev almost every time I spiked, my assistant coach was on the bench yelling 29 feet. Like, he did not want to see me bounce a ball ever. Like, mm. like hit deep, high. That's how you score points in the game. You don't score points by bouncing a ball. Like it's, it's still only one point. And so I, I didn't stop bouncing the ball, but it, it started a thought process. And now I like, I want to spike high and deep in the court every time. Mm. Like if there's no block, okay, maybe I'll take a risk. But like, we've all seen those highlights of a guy flying in from nowhere and soft blocks you and mm -hmm. they turn the point and you look like an idiot because you had no block and you didn't get the point. And most of those people are undersized setters. <laughs> they seem yeah, to be the ones the like worst. soft blocking everything. They're the worst because you you just don't see them. Yeah. And I don't mean that in disrespect, but you just don't see them. I, I mean it in disrespect. You fucking <laughs> tiny setters. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I forget what we, were, what we were talking about. I forget our train thought. But well, here let's let's pivot a second because what I what I find most fascinating about you is that. You've had, first of all, I don't know why this doesn't matter for people listening, but the visual, like your screen completely stopped. You've been frozen in this really adorable, like very calm, which is right on that you're like frozen in this calm position on my screen. So I don't know if okay. the video is getting recorded. Doesn't matter. Audio sounds great. Okay. Anyways, I can um, stop the video and restart it too. No, dude, I'm afraid like things won't record or whatever. We'll just, we'll just leave it. It's fine. I haven't even figured out how to put these on YouTube yet, even though I'd like to. Um, okay. anyways, um, okay. So like the part, the part that I'm super curious about you is you played for 15 years and you've had very little serious injuries. Um, <laughs> knock on wood, dude. Hey, and you know, you got some great genetics. You stay light. What do you attribute it to? Uh, genetics luck. Um, I'm with you there, but. I guess what I'm trying what I'm trying to hint at too is like for me, man, like being in the national team gym and getting to watch you work for you know the past like seven years, it's very clear that like you're the guy who's there an hour early and you're the guy who's in no rush to leave. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm curious, like when did you start adopting that? When did you realize that was a necessary thing for yourself? Um, so. I'll add a little levity to it first. Um, when I joined the national team, we used to joke and say, 
we don't lift to be healthy or good at sports. We lift to look good naked. Um, so a lot of, a lot of ego in my lifting and obviously it didn't pay off too much because I'm still (laughs) thin and not this big muscly guy, but, um, what it did is it, so being thin, I was able to see results relatively quickly versus other guys. Um, meaning like if I gained two pounds, like personally, I was able to see that Mm -hmm. um, just because there's not much place to put it, you know? Um, but also I was able to see the benefits and the payoffs on the court relatively quickly as well. Um, so I started that built like this little passion in me for lifting it and really, I enjoy lifting almost more than I enjoy playing volleyball because mm-hmm. I can feel, I feel stronger when I'm lifting, I feel more control of my body just throughout the day. Like something as easy as like taking out my son, like he's 20 pounds. He's not like the heaviest. And I don't have to like squat all the way down, but I do it because like I can, I have full range of motion through my hips and my ankles and knees mm-hmm. right now. Like that's because I've been lifting really hard for six months and I'm stretching and I'm taking care of my body. And that's only going to translate to the court. I mean, being able to push laterally and into a seam when somebody's serving 120 kilometers an hour and beat the ball to the seam. I don't know if I can do that if I'm not lifting hard Mm. and putting myself in the position to be that explosive. Matt, really, really quick. Try hitting stop video and starting it again. Let's just try that because now I feel this feels disingenuous. I'm like just staring at this one picture of you. Oh, now it just is you. So pretty. Me and Matthew Anderson's text. And you're back. That was so easy. I should have done that, dude. I was so scared. I wasn't sure if it would screw anything up. Okay. Anyway, so I I I, I wanna I'm really curious, like I'm I'm curious when you started taking <clears throat> lifting or those things serious, was it just right away? Or at what point were you like, oh, this is serving me in a really positive way? And then mm-hmm. I want you to go into like what what is your like daily routine. Yeah. Um, okay. So probably 2010. So when I really started lifting hard, like uh, Tim Pillow, our national team strength coach came around and I attribute a lot of my like success in the weight room to him because Tim's motivating his health to me. And like he, I have a really, hard time with letting people down and Tim motivates me in a way that I can feel he he's invested in us Mm. and our team and me individually that I don't want to let him down. So I, I lift and I push myself in the way, in a healthy way. Like, right. I I can't just be lifting all the time because it's going to take away from what I'm lifting for, but I don't want to let him down and I don't want to let myself down. I don't want to let my teammates down. So that changed around 2010. There was a little ego in it because I wanted to touch 12 feet. And I think it was 2000. Good to have goals, baby. Yeah. 2013, I touched 12, three and a half. And I was just like over the moon about it. And sure. I obviously I still remember that, <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah. And I just, I understand what that can do for me to like have that power reservoir. And then it wasn't okay. And now I can do it for one set. All right, let's push the two, three. And then like, now I can do it for multiple matches over multiple days in trainings. And that's how I was like able to physically arrive to a place where I can do everything on court that I want to do when I want to do it. And I'm curious, what did you, what did you seem was the, you, you talk about lifting, like you were just lifting. And then one day you were like, I'm touching 12, three. Is there anything that you felt like, like give the kids a cheap answer right now. That's what I'm looking for. You know, yeah. so many kids DM me and they're like, how do I jump higher? How do I do these things? And from what it sounds like from you, it's like, well, I just consistently lifted hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, was there anything that you were like, oh, this really worked for me or I really enjoyed this? Yeah. So I, I hate experimenting. I hate it. Um, I think you and I are exactly because, the same, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I think it's pretty funny because you're all about it. And I respect that. Um, but, and I, I'm probably more into experimenting now than I was 10, 15 years ago. But I was like, I don't want to do that because it's hard and I can't do it well. I was afraid, basically. Like, I didn't lift in high school because, dude, I couldn't bench press 65 pounds. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do push-ups. I couldn't, I couldn't, God forbid, try to do a pull-up. Like You could do push-ups in high school? I couldn't. Matthew, knock it off. You lying to me right now? No, man. I, it, I wish I had a video of me trying to do push-ups. Like, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was like, ass, like, up in the air like this. Like, <laughs> oh, man, it was just funny. Um, but, so I was just afraid, man. I was, I, I just didn't want to be made fun of. And so, like in college, I had to, right? Teams made you lift. So that's when I started to build like a little bit of base strength. But like when I got into the weight room at out in California, fundamentals were everything. And that's why I really liked having Kim around because he wouldn't let me increase the weight for my ego. Like if I wasn't doing it correctly, there was no point in me doing it at all. So like keep the weight low, do it correctly. Once you build that strength to be able to do that really well, okay, then you can go up a little bit. And like, even now, like I want to squat 20 kilos more in the next set. And he's like, I right, put, put it two and a half on each side. Like Matthew, I lost you. You got it. I'm sorry. 10 seconds. Our classic 10 second intermission. Thank you. Uh, Orange or whoever's supplying the shitty Wi-Fi here. Uh, okay, where'd you lose me? I'll continue then. Oh, uh, you were just talking about how like Tim wouldn't let you just increase weight. You know that you you was he was really into fundamentals. Yeah, and so like okay, so I it's, I squatted like a hundred kilos my first set. I wanted to go to one twenty. He'd be like, put a two and a half on each side. Like, prove to me that you can do it before I, I let you do it. And I really respected that. And to this day, like, I don't, I want to ego lift, but I don't because I know, I just know it's not good for me. Um, but to answer your question about like, how do you jump higher? Like it's consistency, man, technique and consistency. So like, there's a lot of guys out there that I, I forget his name. He came into our gym gosh, maybe five years ago and talked about approaching and like driving the heel and everything like that. And I was like, man, me thinking about it just totally threw me off. 
Mm. But I think naturally I just had this flow. And then once I started lifting and building strength and rigidity and like my tendons and everything like that, I just saw increases like shoot through the roof. Yeah. I, I had a similar experience. I mean, I actually had a very different experience because I, I worked with someone, <laughs> I worked with someone who, I mean, I was never a natural jumper. Where, do you consider yourself? I mean, knock it off. Obviously you're a good jumper dog. And don't you dare tell me you're not because you're fucking touching past 12 feet. But I mean, I was more like trying to make it to 11 feet in college, like trying to make it to touching over 11 feet. And, you know, I worked with this guy and he completely changed my life, which is why I got addicted to fitness and thank God for it because it's brought me to this level. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you where I think once you put in the work to build the foundation and you stay consistent with it, it's just so obvious that like you just slowly continue to grow. And mm -hmm. <clears throat> to your point, it's like I've also seen a lot of people on Instagram or different people who talk about like the all the technique of an approach. And I think that stuff's worth learning. It's really interesting uh, but I also believe that you just kind of naturally start to figure it out. And so it's like mm -hmm. this on one hand, it's like you get better at volleyball through playing volleyball. You get better at jumping through jumping. You get more resilient from practicing being more resilient, adding weight, doing different things. So it's like mm -hmm. all that just makes sense. And all these kids are always looking for like this two week program or this six week program or 12 week program. And I'm not saying it's bullshit. I mean, go explore your curiosities. I'm an experimental guy. So I, I say, go for it, learn. But, um, mm -hmm the 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 obvious answer from everyone i've ever asked from all my experience is just start somewhere and be consistent and really yeah. start somewhere i mean so many kids ask me like where do i start where do i begin and i'm actually working on something to to help provide that for some kids and give some guidance but ultimately it doesn't really matter like look at you had success going the traditional route and staying consistent with it and it's worked really well for you you know mm -hmm. I, I had a completely different experience and it worked really well for me and so that's the point is that like everyone has a different road um and i'm really i'm really curious from you because you also are someone to me like when we're in the weight room i'm not like oh shit matt's like pushing mad weight you just consistently Thanks, I'm sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. But the, here's where I'm going to pat you on the butt a little bit is like, but you are someone to me where it's like, dude, you just consistently do your, uh, your thing. You're not like early sometimes. You're early every fucking day. You don't just stay after to like really get a good lift or stay after to like kind of decompress, stretch, ice bath. You do that shit every day. And that to me is just like, it motivates me because I sometimes like, I'm a slave to my emotions. You know, sometimes I'm like, fuck, I want to go surf. My brother's coming down here. We're going to San we're going to like, I don't know, trestles or somewhere. Like when we want to go surf, like I'm trying to just get done with volleyball, like crush my lift and go. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you're someone who's just like, so it's just so it's a beautiful story because, you know, I'm all about trying to understand, you know, how to avoid injury because mm -hmm. unlike you, like I now sure someone could argue that I have great genetics, but like truth is like, I think I'm, I'm a, I've been, I'm a, I'm a miracle, dude. I can't believe I made it this far. And I've had some injuries along the way. And I'm, and I'm someone who does take care of my body, you know, but I've noticed that like, you know, I'll take care of my body really well. And then I'll, I'll be in such a habit of just like playing good. And I feel healthy that I'll start to like fade off a little bit. And then an injury will come in. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I got to like keep doing this all the time. And you're just mm -hmm. like, you're just like jogging and you're jogging year round. And then maybe sometimes it's hailing, sometimes it's snowing, sometimes it's sunny. You just keep doing your thing, dude. And I just think it's like such a testament to who you are and your ability to stay consistent. And 
that's the part that I find so fascinating about you is that your your power of will and your dedication to perfectionism and what you do is like it's motivating. It's unbelievable. Honestly, it's really unbelievable that you've gone so far with no like serious injury. All right. I'm going to knock on some more wood. Um, I got wood here, right here you. too. I'm going to knock for you. Yes. There's, this is a glass and metal table. So I don't know. Everyone Modern. at home, please do a couple knocks for Matthew. We hope yeah, this does please. not jinx him in any way. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I mean, yeah, I like to think that it's preparation and rehab and, attention to all that small stuff i think our mind is really strong and for sure you've seen this uh both national team and overseas when you just see a guy in the morning and he's just looks tired sluggish and you're like what's going on man uh my knees hurt oh my shoulder hurts um and then it's like they're just they don't push in the warm up to like activate their body. And as strong as our mind is, our body is and so freaking amazing and resilient. And there's so many days when we lift really hard and the next day you don't want to get out of bed because it hurts. It just hurts. And it's okay to say that it hurts, mm -hmm. but get out of bed, like, yeah. get out of bed and move. Hmm. And okay, if you go through 20 minutes of a warm up, like an actual in, intentional warm up, you I think you'd be amazed at how well your body warms back up and gets going. And I just don't, I don't like being hurt. I don't like letting my teammates down in that way. Um, because I've been on the other side, I've been on the court working my ass off as a young player day in and day out and have had older players miss trainings here and there. And then come match time, they're starting and I'm not. And that sucked. I hated that. Mm. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to advocate for, for playing through injuries because if you have it, like you have to pay attention to it because it can spiral out of control. But mm. I think recognizing when something is smaller and not as threatening as you think it is. Um, but yeah, I've been incredibly lucky to not have anything traumatic happen too bad. Like I've had, I mean, I'm, I am getting older. So like this past summer I had some calf stuff and I've had some knee issues and things for me, but like you said, I've been jumping consistently for 15 years so it does add up and it it's okay i mean you gotta you gotta have you have to find time for rest and recovery yeah um, but just knowing when when is the right time and that that comes from knowing your body and knowing what you can do and the only way you can know what you can do is by pushing thresholds and and testing it and not being afraid to test it mm. like i think it comes to that point of like you you can't lie to yourself in in knowing that something is soreness or fatigue versus an actual injury. Can you get through it? Are you mentally strong enough to get through it? Because come the fifth set, 
in a tough match in the Olympic Games, you're going to be tired. No, no way around it. You're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. Can you find something in you to keep going? And if not, then sorry, I don't want you on my team. What do you think is the best way to train that? Doing it, man. Friggin' doing it. Like, we train harder than we play. And there's a reason to that. So that the matches are not physically as taxing as your trainings. Like, we talk about it um, during the World Cup. Because the World Cup is one of the gnarliest tournaments in the world. It's nine matches and or no, sorry, 11 matches in 15 days, mm -hmm. like wild. But we are actually detraining ourselves during the World Cup because we train so hard and so well leading up to it that physically our load is going down. And so it's a mental thing that you have to train. And how do you do that? By being present in those trainings leading up to it. You know, Matt, you, you're touching now on a subject that is a little touchy for me, and be honest with you. Okay. Something Bring I have on. a little problem with. Man, I got to be honest, like, in one way, I love how you've been like, this is my reality. Um, I'll also sip with you. I've been crushing coffee right now. I'm like jittery. Yeah, mine's gone. This is my third one today, by the way. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, so, dude, my like, my... My biggest issue is, you know, I see, for example, kids tournaments, 16, 17, 18. They're mm -hmm. playing. In fact, one of the kids I mentor, he played uh, in he played five games. So best of three in in one day. Yeah. On and concrete floors. On shit, whatever sport court or whatever they're using. And what's mm -hmm. crazy is like from what we've calculated as a middle blocker, at least, um, like three sets, I'm probably somewhere around 80, 90 jumps. Five sets, probably one close to 150, 130, 120 in mm -hmm. there. And now you picture a kid who's 15 who doesn't have that foundation mm -hmm. because they're young, who's being asked to jump probably three, 400 times. If you're playing, let's, let's call it three, 10, let's say it's 10 sets. You play 10 sets. That's mm -hmm. five two set games or whatever. Gotcha. We were not, we did not evolve to handle that kind of load. And the part that nope. really, really bothers me is we see so much injury. I mean, how many guys on the national team get knee surgeries, get shoulder surgeries, get hip surgeries? And we mm -hmm. kind of brush it off like, oh, well, it's just, you know, volleyball is poisonous. It's part of the sport, it's part of the job. And mm -hmm. I fucking hate that narrative. And it mm -hmm. makes me wish that there was some like board of athletes or something that could be like, hey, we need to change the schedule. Like, imagine if, if VNL, that stuff didn't start until june or july or it was cut in half or something and it gave guys a chance to come home decompress because dude you don't get like and you can touch on this you haven't really had that like you come home and you're lucky to get like a couple weeks 10 days and as now you're you're matthew henderson if you need to take some time off we're giving you time off you know but for the most part you don't do that because you're a hard worker you know and so you've developed this it sounds like this mindset and this attitude of like like you said for world cup hey we got to play 11 games in 15 days i need to be mentally and physically prepared for that and i am with you there it's your party you it's what you signed up for you got to do it now the other side i think about is man we're just setting ourselves up to get injured and then and then what? And then you miss a contract and you don't get paid and you can't, you got a family now. You got more to think about, you know? For sure. Like, I don't know exactly what my point is. It just frustrates me. And I, uh, it frustrates me that 
I feel like these the the scheduling for these tournaments is not taking into account the health of the athlete, and it's just it's just another the the machine's got to keep going. There's got to be some event. We got to do this. Hey, we don't have a lot of time. We got to do this. Like, do you think that will ever change? Do you think it's worth a conversation, or are you like, hey, this is just what it is, and like you got to just be prepared? And there's no right or wrong answer, I guess. But you know, yeah. Um. Well, dude, I've I've totally had that concern my entire career. Um, and I'm never not frustrated with it. Um, a lot of it go, a lot of that thought process goes into my decision making for contracts, and of course, time off is crucial, absolutely crucial, physically, but also mentally, even more so. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with the youth schedule. I think that I mean, looking back on it, it's pretty wild how I was able to escape that. And I mean, too, we were also playing in crappy running shoes and like no support whatsoever. Like mm. I, I, our, I mean, P- were you playing I, in PF flyers over there? or what? <laughs> <laughs> Just like basic, like basic and Nike running shoes, like not yeah. even like court shoes. And then our diets are terrible. You know, we're eating candy bars in between yeah. matches and, you know, just sucking down sodas and sugary Gatorades and everything and be like, yeah, I'm an athlete. Woo. You know, like just eating $5 burgers from TGI Fridays because you get $7 a per diem and you're trying to make it work. Mm. Um, college was another thing, man. I had no money in college. Like I think the last few weeks of school and our seasons, like I probably skipped a meal every other day. I just didn't have the money to pay for it. Mm. And that's just the way it was. But yeah, I mean, I would like there to be some what of a revolt from the players in the scheduling because I, I honestly I think that's the only way it's going to happen is we have to be collectively willing to have a, a like a sit out like a, a freeze out like the MLB just did or the NBA has done or the NHL has done where it's like no. We're not playing because you're not treating us with the respect. We are the product. I understand this is a business and like any business, you need to make a profit, but without the product, you you can't, you don't have a business. Well, so we I, need to put, we need to put ourselves, we need to value ourselves over the immediate future. And yeah. if you're going to try and get every volleyball player, top volleyball player to give up, multiple hundreds of thousands to millions of dollar contracts you got to be willing for like they all have to be on board for it because there's going to be somebody else like if i don't take this contract next year i know there's going to be another player behind me it's like looking at that contract like yes sign me up i'm there dude i'll deal with it this is important to talk about because uh you know, it, you you brought you brought on the exact point, and the other thing is like the machine's got to run. Oh, you're hurt this year. Well, we got someone coming up. Maybe he's a young guy. Maybe he plays well. Then maybe you lose a spot. You know, it's a lot of pressure. And where where I feel that a lot is like I'm not a guy on the national team who's like shoe like for a while I was not shoe in guy. I was not obvious travel guy. I was started out on the national team as like the eighth middle, you know, and just slowly worked my way up to getting to travel was a big deal for me. And 2018 was the best summer I had and unfortunately lost some things to some injury. And a part of that is like, for example, when I played in Shamont like four years ago, 
in France, I, around January, had started getting sharp pain in my patella tendon. And we got like an echiograph and there was like a little tear. At the time, I didn't know I had uh, a 60% tear in my patella tendon, which is anything over, let's say, 40%, 50% for sure is surgery time. So I was already at that point. And that year, the back half of the year, I was playing so good, the best volleyball I'd ever played and already was getting offered a contract to go play in Poland. And I was like, fuck yeah, already in January. Like normally I'm looking for a contract in like May or June or like the end of mm-hmm. end the, the scraps, you know, I'm a scavenger, baby. But uh, I was like, dude, I'm playing so good. I can't, I don't want it to stop. And so what I did was I practiced at 50%. A lot of guys started kind of resenting me a little bit because it was so painful to practice. I just couldn't, nothing was working. And then I'd just pop pills, Voltaren, ibuprofen, whatever, and ball out because I could handle being numbed up and, and still playing at a high level and had an amazing year. So I come back with a torn patella, not knowing it. And I say to the, the staff, I'm like, hey, man, I like keep getting this pain. It's sharp pain. It's like unbearable. I like, I don't know what's going on. And so we're like, all right, we'll do three weeks deload, like kind of load up and then load up and then we'll send you to VNL. And I was like, all right, let's try that. Three weeks off. Feels like, all right, it's feeling a little better. Go to VNL, play against Germany. Like right after the match, I'm like, dude, sharp pain in this one little spot. Again, I don't know what's going on. I get an MRI. I got to get surgery. I lose my contract and I lose the rest of the summer in the national team. And it's like, what I should have done was, hey, I got pain in my knee. I need to go get an, I want to really understand what's going on. Let me think about my health first. But the reality of being a professional athlete is sometimes it's like, fuck, can I push through this month? Because I need to get this contract or I need to fulfill this contract or I need to get my spot on the national team. I can't afford to be like doing what's best for my health all the time. That I hate. That I have the yeah. most regret is not is not being like, because what I could have done is I could have in January when I had that pain, went and got an MRI, saw I needed surgery, signed that contract. Would have If I had surgery in, let's say, February, I would have been able to play in the net because it was a three or four month recovery. I would have been able to play that summer with the national team and fulfill my contract in Poland. Now, I wouldn't have gone maybe to the finals with my team and like there were some other things that we had such an amazing year that year in Champions League. Like, but you know, that's tough, dude. It's tough sometimes to put your body first when it's like the reality is we're fighting for spots. We're fighting for contracts for money. And you talked mm-hmm. about making millions or whatever. Daddy's over here making, you know, breadcrumbs, but it's still a big deal to me. Even, you know, I want to continue to prove myself. I don't have the luxury to not play and give up my spot on the national team. I don't have the luxury uh, to, to be like, oh, I got to take a year off because I become way less valuable because I'm not this seven foot monster with a 90 inch vertical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm a guy who has to be consistent. Hey, look at the stats. Look what I did here. Like, look what I've done here. You mm-hmm. know, it's and and I don't know. That's really tough. And I, I I'm curious if you've ever dealt with with anything like that. Um, to an extent, like I think personally, I I fight that because. I don't ever want to be irrelevant. Like I want mm. to be in it mm. because being in it is what is what I want. Like that's that's my my passion. That that competitor in me. I need to be in it. And I mean to pull this full circle. Part of the reason why I stopped playing in 2014, 15 was because I was always in it, even when I wasn't in training. Like I, I talked about, I couldn't play pickup anything, basketball, baseball, 
beach volleyball, which I'm terrible at, but I just couldn't play pick up anything ping pong because I was in it. I had to win. I had to show everyone that I was better than them. And if I lost, let's play again. If I lost, let's play again. Mm. Like, so that personal drive keeps me in it. Uh, but dude, it's, it's such an unhealthy system. I think like, I think something that would be really beneficial to, to us athletes would be to have like a, a free agency period, a signing contract period where it's like, if you're under contract, so if you have multiple years, if it's a, it's year two of a three-year contract, so you know you're coming back, like the team knows you're coming back. Right. If you want to extend your contract past that year, like you can sign that at any time. But once contract, the year, the last year of your contract where you become a free agent, or if you only sign a one-year deal, like there's a signing period, you know, it's from the end of May to the middle of June, mm-hmm. you have a, a month and a half. And that's where, that's where teams make their, their plays. And then after that, you can sign anybody like whenever, but it's like, you can't sign a contract until like May, May 1st or whatever, May 31st or something like that. What like, does that do? Man, it allows players to take care of themselves. It allows players to take care of themselves. It allows them to not worry about playing in January for your contract for next year. Like I, I went through that process here and like, I mean, I've had a lot of experience with it, so it doesn't affect me as much, but it also doesn't allow people to rest on their laurels through an entire year. Like you got to push hard, but I just think it, it would, it would remove a really big elephant in the room, in locker rooms, in, in team hmm. composition. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I just, I don't like that finicky part of the business of this, of this sport, of all sports. And I think, I mean, I think all their leagues do it. Don't they? They have a free agency period. And yeah. I just, I just think it's better for the, for the, the leagues. I never, I never thought of it that way. That's really, in, that's real. That's a really interesting thing. And you, the health part of it, I don't, it's interesting because for example, I thank God I had a chance to sign in January because for example, if then they're like yeah. looking at me, like they want to sign me and now all of a sudden they can't sign me until May, but then I have this injury and I, and, and I like a knee surgery. I got to get a knee surgery. Then they say no right away, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you do make a good point that, um, I think definitely I see it for, for, and maybe I just don't understand it yet. I don't fully, haven't fully grasped where that is on a physical health standpoint, but I, on, in terms of like guys signing early and not caring as much that actually I see now right away is like, you know, a guy signs early and then it's like, well, I don't have to give a shit about this year so much anymore. And if things start going downhill, let's sink the ship because what do I care? I got, I got my contract fulfilled for the next year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, because there's not always a safety net for the players. Like a lot of our contracts aren't guaranteed. Like they say they are, but they're not like, there's no backing to a guarantee here. Um, like there is in the NBA or the NFL or these, these contracts that happen in the States because there's 
actual legal actions. And, and we can take legal actions against our clubs, but um, it's it's harder. It's more, I mean, you're talking about international law versus like, this is just the States, you know, you figure it out there. Um, I guess that, that contract thing I was talking about doesn't necessarily take into account the, the physical health of the athletes. Um, but that's, gosh, it's just like, it's so hard because our, our job is our bodies. And if we don't take care of them, we don't have an, a, a long career, but your body becomes a porta potty. <laughs> it's funny. I never heard that. My before. body but like, is a porta potty. You know who does that? No. I think it's, I think it's Dave Chappelle. <laughs> he pretends uh, to be Rick James. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but like then also in the short term, if you don't know, if like if you would have had surgery on your knee in January, if you would have came back in time or if you would have came back at all, mm-hmm. I think surgery is so crazy because you just never know. You never know what they're going to find in there. You never know what's going to happen afterwards. Is it going to be might a find a junior thing? mint in there, you know? Oh, hey, you maybe ate a lot of them when you were a kid. Um, that's a Seinfeld reference. Yes, so I get it. dude, yes. I get it. Thank you, Matthew. You're a fucking adult. You know that one. Yeah, I'm old enough to get that one. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, it makes me incredibly grateful that I've been able to, like you said, avoid traumatic injury yeah. most of my career. Um, hey, we're, I don't know, man. It's, it's an ever going battle. Yeah, for they sure. And and to be honest with you, I think maybe we should keep this conversation going after this podcast and into the future because I I am all on board for trying to change something because I'm passionate about it. I, I want to see guys healthy. I don't want the narrative to be Oh, shoulder surgery is common. Most players get it. Knee surgery is common. Most players. Oh, knee pain? Yeah, we all got knee pain. Fuck that, dude. We have to find a better way because health is ultimately the most important thing. Yeah, I I also like to touch on it again. Like, it's so crazy that we, as the product of this business, of this industry, have to like really take into account that if you play the national team, so like, Something national pride is something that's in almost every person in the world. And to have the opportunity to play in the Olympics, the biggest stage of sports, like that should be celebrated and cultivated and not shunned upon because if you finish the national team, hey, not only do you have to report immediately to your professional team, we have competition in seven days, 10 days. Like, after the projected schedule for the Italian league next year is 10 days after the world championships finishes is the start of the super cup. Mm. And that's the best teams in Italy competing at the highest level (laughs) immediately 10 days after you just wrapped up your national team season. Now you will be primed. You'll be primed and ready, but you'll be, that's that's the start of your next eight month journey. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. And, and the way they, they've approached it with like starting that early was, oh, if we start this early, then we don't have to play as many midweek games to finish our season in time. Hmm. It's like, 
okay, so we don't play midweek games. So are you going to give us more days off? Probably not. No, you're going to train more. You're going to be here more. You're going to be in it more. And I just don't, I don't like the, the rhetoric of trying them trying to say that it's for our benefit when it's not. It's 100% not. It's yeah. for the sponsors. Yep. You know, yeah. well, we have to play because we need the sponsors to, to get the, the ad space. And it's like, well, you know what? They should know that before they jump into this investment with you. So you're probably lying to them and you're definitely lying to us. And it just doesn't, it seems so finicky and so thin that it could just topple over and they just keep buying more into it, more into it, more into it. And we get used for it. And you know, the, to make, because what I think about is like, you're totally on point. And what I think about is like, all right, what would need to happen to make change? Well, here's the thing is like, we could, we could, as USA national team decide, Hey, this is how, this is how our athletes will be treated. My fear, my fear is like, all right, then less people want USA athletes and they'll just take mm -hmm. someone else because there's someone else who can do a job probably pretty close to not how you can do it. Definitely how I can do it. But you know, like there's, there's other guys who are really great from all over the world. And so it would have to be something where like the entire, you get, you get big names from every different national team, men's and women's cause they deal with the same issues. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to build something, to do something. And I would love to be a part of that. I would love to see what's actually possible because otherwise we enter a situation where you and I have this conversation and it's like, nothing gets changed. And like, I personally, you talk about how you want uh, to have an impact on a team when you leave. Like, that's how I feel now also is I want to have an impact, not just on the youth, but also on the players who are playing right now. I mean, Hey, I'm, I don't know how much longer I'm going to play, but, uh, I do know that I want, I don't like the way the system is set up and I want to be a part of change. So maybe we can talk, we can talk more about it. Um, you and I, and maybe we can start to try to build something. And I don't know if anyone's listening and they want to be a part of it, like reach out. If you have, if you're a professional player listening and like you do something, you deal with it, reach out. Like I, I would love to, to build a team to try it, to try to storm the gates, you know, <laughs> like I think it's important. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure our federation USA Volleyball does have... Um, well, we're the, luck Dude, we're the luckiest ones. USA Volleyball treats us better than most other national teams that I know. We are very fortunate. But even yeah. our fortune is like, we're still, uh, you know, we still have to go to these same tournaments and show up and mm -hmm. still have to go directly to national teams because then they own you for, you know, six or eight months. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, I think in our, our international transfers, so something for people that don't know... Um, how it all works. We every athlete, every professional volleyball player is is part of their national federation, and then you get leased out to these pro teams. And so your national team, your national federation, has to sign your international transfer to these pro teams under certain stipulations. And in those stipulations, I think USA Volleyball protects us a lot, uh, and a lot with injuries and and so on and so yeah, forth. Definitely, um, which is great, and we're we're so thankful for that. And I, I would just fear that if they put in stipulations about, okay, you can't call our players. Like we, we do have that. If, if we have an international competition, with right. volleyball, they're allowed to call us, I think two weeks before the competition for a training block before we go. Right. 
No, they don't. I think do it's that. five five days after national competition is over. Right is the window. Right, something like that. So yeah. So I I, I don't think that it's always done because uh, it, it. I mean, it has to be fluid, and there's certain times where like, you know, if if we're playing in the Italian Cup, and then there's the Olympic qualifier, like if we're not in the Italian cup, if we're not there with our team, like our team is not, they're going to dock us pay. So like there's, there's certain fluidity that has to flow with it. But um, I would just be fearful that if, if we actually put something in there where it's like, they need to be back a month before VNL and they they're staying with us for two weeks after the last match, you would just see guys getting offered contracts and having like backdoor deals where they're like, don't worry, I'll be there a week after, or I'll stay later, so on and so forth. That mm-hmm. like, just to get that contract, like you said, like, or like I said before, like if, if I don't sign this contract, well, there's going to be somebody behind me that's totally willing to sign that contract to do mm-hmm. more than I'm willing to do, you know, there. So it, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a really hard thing to, it is, but you know what? I, I'm happy at least that we're starting the conversation. I think it's a, you know, there's a, we talked a little bit about like kind of mental health and I think you were able to bring some shine, some light on that when you were dealing with that and struggling with that, you know, years ago. And I think that's great to have those conversations to bring that those real sides of the human side, you know, and not the like athlete volleyball machine side of things. Um, and this is another great topic. So um, I, I'm a proponent for change. I, I know it's sometimes trying to change something just seems like so, like, what could I do? You know, what, what am I going to do? Like, even now, I'm like, I would love to change it, but like, fuck, what do I do? And it really just comes from guys like us having this kind of conversation and someone hears mm-hmm. about it and then they think about it and they reach out. And that's my hope is that we take, we're able to get some sort of grassroots approach and, and really think about it and not just be like, yeah, we want two month vacation. You know, like I would love to find a system that worked and that cultivated healthier athletes that could play for a longer time because we can't all be Matt Anderson and have these sicky genetics, you know, play for 15 years and have no injuries. Uh, but dude, we're, we're, we're approaching close to two hours. This has been so great. Um, I definitely, one thing I do really want that I really wanted to know um, mm-hmm. is, What's next for you? Like when volleyball, when you finally decide that like your perfectionism game with volleyball is done and you can just be a normal person, like what does Matt, the normal guy look like? What are you going to do when you're done? Well, I'm definitely going to take some time to, to explore different things. I don't know. Um, there's been, I really like working with my hands. I think part of volleyball is, has allowed me to, to satisfy that you know, fulfill that kind of. Um, it's your love language, baby. Talking. Physical touch, dude. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I like being, when I'm done doing something like this sense of accomplishment by able to see it and feel it and see it working. Um, so I've, I've fooled around with the idea of like getting, I don't know, working into woodworking of like some, some sort of like building tables and chairs, just like some abstract things. Uh, but probably, I don't know. I'm going to let my wife run the show for a little bit. If she wants to, if she wants to explore some type of profession, I mean, she's a incredible photographer and was traveling the world and taking pictures uh, before we met and through the first part of our relationship. And mm-hmm. then she jumped on board with 
with my my sport and, and following me around. That's um, a lot of sacrifice. I've been in relationships too, where it's it's a lot to to be in a committed relationship and ask them to they have to sacrifice so much to be with you because it means so yeah. much to have your partner with you in this experience. It makes it it's just elevates the experience so much. Um, mm-hmm. for, in comparison to like having to do distance can be really, really difficult. Um, mm-hmm. that takes a lot of a different type of commitment as well. But I'm, 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 I'm also curious from you, like, okay, you're talking about building things with your hands. First I was like, yo, go join B with Ben patch and start doing some ceramics. <laughs> That'd be sick. But I like the idea of woodworking. I actually, it's so funny you say that I was, it's been like my dream because I did not grow up in a family where like my, we, my dad fucking hated camping. My dad was as metro as they come. I love him to death. Okay. But he did, he did not, he was not, we were not outdoor. Like we, I was in sports or whatever, but I mean, we were not like building. He was like, someone can fix it. kind of guy, you know. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't cooking, doing nothing. He was great though. I keep saying that because I feel like I'm putting him down. I'm trying to put him down. My point is, I always, I feel like now it's like, God, I would love to be a farmer. Like do some shit that I never got to do, you know, like build stuff with your hands. Like I've always wanted to like build my own table or build my own chairs. I think that would be like, that's such a cool thing mm-hmm. to be into. Have you experimented at all? Have you ever built like, you ever built yeah, anything with your hands? Uh, of course. Uh, my dad was incredibly handy. Um, so kind of, again, not to put your dad down, but the opposite. No, let's put him works. down. Fuck him. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Uh, I never met you, Mr. April, I don't think, but uh, <laughs> no, if something right. broke in our house, my dad fixed it. Uh, that's just the way it was. And at a certain age, we were able to stay around and watch him. I mean, right? As a toddler, you probably just get in the way more than you do help. But, you know, you like see those memes of like dudes holding the flashlight and it's like your dad's yelling at you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my childhood in a, in a way growing up and like, but I, I enjoyed being around him and watching him do those things because I was learning and it was something that was fun. You know, it was something we could do together. He like tripled the size of our house uh, as we were growing up. And like, there was always, there was always a project to be done. Cool. If it wasn't our house, it was our grandparents' house or an uncle down the street was doing something. And it was just fun. I mean, and uh, we, I, a cool memory like when i was in boy scouts was like the pinewood derby races where like you get a block of wood and you got to yeah. make a car that just goes down this hill and like dude i was never in boy scouts but i remember seeing that yeah so like just those fun things and he'd be like all right draw up what you want to build and we'll see if it works you know and so we would just do it and then we would you know carve the car out the way and he would like teach me how to like melt lead to kind of weigh it in the front to like try and get it like a a faster start or whatever and it was just fun and like there's my uncle is uh i don't think i don't know how you become a master carpenter but like in my mind in my my eyes he's a a master carpenter too so there's a lot to learn from him and and so i i don't know i've done it in the past and i've I've become relatively handy um nowhere near what my brother is but um I'm curious, dude, did, do you get I any... enjoy the process. Totally. I'm, I think what I'm really curious from you also is like, you get any anxiety from not knowing exactly what the next step of your life looks like? There's so much, man. So much. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I think that's part of the reason why I'm still in it. Um, 
because it is something that is secure at this point in time. Uh, and because I don't have a definitive idea of what I want to do after I get so much anxiety and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm scared. I'm scared to stop because I don't know what I will be like when I stop. Mm-hmm. Man, I, um, I resonate so much with that, dude. It's like, as of the last couple of years for me, it's, for me, it's been a little different in the sense that like, I've always been someone who like balance is really important to me. I like volleyball, but I love to surf. I love to be outdoors. You know, I love, I'm such a curious cat. So I'm always into something. Um, but I also have experienced the last couple of years being like, damn, I'm gonna be 30. And then I hit 30 and I'm like, dude, we, we, the sacrifice, another sacrifice we make in this pursuit is we enter a dead end job that like most people they finish, let's say most people finish university, they go to college and then the first couple of years are a struggle. And then by the time they're 31, 32, whatever, they've been in their career for, you know, however long, seven, eight years. And now they're at the top and now they're, they set, they, they put down the foundation to build a stable career. We do the opposite. We enter a career and then as it, we leave, it's like, then we're done. And what do most guys, what do most people do? They just become a coach or something. You know, yeah. which is, which is fine, which is great. We need, we need elite level athletes teaching the youth for sure. But I'm like, I don't want to just be a coach, you know, like I want to do something yeah. else, but, but not knowing what that is because our identity is wrapped up in volleyball. Um, it, it does cause a lot of anxiety. So it's really, I don't want to say it's cool to hear it from you, but it's like, it makes me feel like, oh man, I'm not alone in feeling like I don't know exactly what I want to do next. And I have to learn to be okay with it. And in the same time, uh, what volleyball does provide us is an opportunity. We have so much free time that like I, I, rec- I highly recommend it to other professional athletes as well. And just kids and university, whatever, like have some balance, have something else you're into. And I know like, for example, like you, I don't know how into it we are, but I know you love cars. I know you're a big car guy. Like you ever see yourself like fixing cars or like, dude, what I would, the story I would love to hear, Matthew Anderson finishes playing volleyball, goes to work as a car mechanic, dude, that story I want to hear. <laughs> Yeah, I like cars, but I I am not knowledgeable in how to fix them. Um, I like when they go boom boom really fast. But um, no, I I mean I I fool around with that idea of getting a, a fixer upper and a project car. Mm. Uh, that's a slippery, very slippery slope in the car world. Uh, <laughs> what is a uh, what, you got any project cars? I don't at at this point. I've oh, yeah. sold them all, but. Um, a project car would be basically uh, something that's broken or older that you revamped into uh, modern technology. If you want it, you want to build, you want to restore it to like, if you have a sixties or seventies car and you want to restore it to like original state, like that's really hard to try and find those old parts. Or you can like, my idea would be to take a like a seventies pickup truck and get the the frame in the shell like really good quality and then put a, a modern engine in it modern brakes all the safety features and and build that project over five ten years mm. with my son jamie so that when he turns 16 it's his you know but do that over time and, and do it on a budget uh so it's not a you know a brand new car but it essentially is and it's something that we do together so that when it eventually breaks or something like that, he has the knowledge and skills to be able to fix it himself. 
to an extent, right? If it's something big, like take it somewhere else. But um, that would be essentially like a, a project car. Or I mean, like my project cars in the past have been BMWs that I've modified to be to make loud noises, make loud noises, and go really <laughs> fast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh, and that's that stuff that I don't know necessarily how to do, and I don't feel I wouldn't feel comfortable myself doing that because yeah. it's such a safety risk but um yeah i don't know i i really don't know what the future holds for me and like i said i'm scared because it's not just me anymore um i have yeah. a, a family to provide for and i think that's something that is traditionally like a male role is like the the feeling to provide for you and your yours um but like i, I mean I've been playing for a long time and I've not been too dumb with my money that I have afforded myself some time to, to figure out what we, I mean, maybe it's something me and my wife go in together with, or yeah. we have a, a bunch of little things, you know, here or there that are where we can be passionate about and give the right attention to, but kind of run themselves in a way. For sure. And you know, I think you've been you've been fortunate enough and have worked hard enough to earn the type of contracts that you've made where you can you have a little bit of wiggle room, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, and not to like compare or anything, but like for for most of us who want to play professionally, or whatever, and we're not making a lot of money. I mean, that's where I this is for me. I'm speaking through my own experience where balance feels even more necessary, which is why I'm putting so much time into other projects right now, because mm -hmm. I don't have this huge thing to fall back on. Um, I'm not saying that you feel so comfortable, obviously like the ultimate goal is to be fulfilled. And that's what I want, you know, is like, mm -hmm. I want to continue to live what I want to carry on from volleyball. What I learned from volleyball is when you really love something, it can completely consume you and take you away. I mean, you talk about like the anxiety, the depression earlier about being alone and being in, in Russia, but it's like those moments where you're on the volleyball court, like all that goes away for the most part. And maybe you mm -hmm. can, you'd agree with me there is like, that's your, that's your sanctuary. That's your church for two hours. Yeah. You know, you're not thinking about anything else. You're thinking about volleyball and then it ends and you got, where's the balance. You need balance because otherwise it's a slippery slope and you can get guys can get really caught in a deep depression. Um, and that's why, you know, for me, I think a big takeaway is like, figuring out, start to explore for people out there, like try to start to explore with, you know, things you might be interested in, you know, like mm -hmm. you love comedy, like try to write a bit. I mean, I tried, I did five minutes of stand-up comedy, dude. It was a fucking nightmare. And I realized like <laughs> it was, I, I, I had a blast doing it, but like, and it pushed me and challenged me. It made me so nervous more than any volleyball game I've ever played. Like about to perform at the Hollywood improv for a five minute bit about me fucking a fleshlight. Like, dude, it was, it was awful. Um, but you know, like, but like that's, I think continuing to push yourself to be uncomfortable is so important. Um, because you, what you don't want to do is finish your career at whatever age and just have no idea. Like imagine you finish your 35, you're single and you're just like, I have no idea. And I didn't make enough money to, to have time to pursue that. And I think that's most of us, most of us are mm -hmm. going to finish playing volleyball and we're not going to have millions to back to, to, to give us this, um, to, to have money to really invest to keep this system going and to have this leeway to kind of figure out what's next. Um, I found a lot of value in trying to pursue that now. Um, and so it's, it's really cool to hear from you too, that you're, cause I think 
I don't know. I really appreciate you being vulnerable with me. This whole podcast, man. I mean, like to hear from you to to say that, like, you don't really know what's next, and like you got to get comfortable with that, you know. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you have some ideas, and you're ready to explore some of that. And you got a family now that provides you and fulfills some of that balance in your life. Um, it's just really cool because I think most people see someone like you, and they're just like, the guy's a king. He's living it up, you know. But like you're a fucking human mm-hmm. too, you know. And that was really cool yeah. to to get to share that with people. Well, thank you for that sentiment. Um, I think I, you, you brought it up earlier, <clears throat> like really early when we first started talking about the, the Joe Rogan podcast. It's one of the, I mean, how many people listen to it, but it's one of the few that I actually listen to. And he, he talks about, he, he wants, he has to constantly be doing things all the time. And like, he just, he's so interested in different things. But one of the things that he, he likes, and that he's noticed about himself is he has to have a struggle. He has to be struggling for something. And a lot of it is like he wakes up in the morning and he works out even when he doesn't want to. Like, and then he takes that as a win because he's conquering his inner bitch. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that. Like that struggle, that grind, it makes the, like the satisfaction of the accomplishment like so much sweeter because I think to be in it and to be aware of what you're doing in the moment can get in the way of actually getting to where you want to be. But to be able to get to the end of the road and win or lose, like we train for the opportunity to compete. And once you're done, you have to be able to look back and be satisfied with your work. Otherwise it doesn't, you don't want to do it anymore. And so that, I think that's that it's the journey, not the the destination, right. Mm-hmm. That like should be your motivation. Uh, but when you're in it, I want the motivation to be the, the destination. Like I, I want it to be that goal because without that in my mind, I'm not, I'm not going to push. I'm not going to, I'm going to be content and satisfied with where I am because I've been doing it for 15 years. Like, yeah. Like, well, and that- at, when, at the end, when I'm done playing, when I really finish, like I have to, I do get caught up in it. And I look back and be like, yeah, that was, I think when I'm done playing, it's going to be at least half of my life that I've been a professional. <laughs> and like half of my life on this earth has been like, in this grind, in this pursuit of one thing. And dude, there's more, I'm more likely not to get what I want. I'm playing, I'm competing, I'm training for the opportunity to play for an Olympic gold medal. And there's a good chance that when I get to the end of the road, I'm not going to have that. Now, I'm not going to let that stop me from trying to get it right. I'm still going to push. I'm still going to do everything I can to get it. But when I retire and when I'm done, if I don't get it, if I'm not satisfied with what I've done, then like, why am I even doing this? Like I would feel like a waste Mm. and I don't at this point in time, I don't feel like it's been a waste. I, like I said, and that, that comes from developing those inner, that personal relationship with people. Um, giving myself and my family opportunities when I'm done. Um, I think there has to be a certain rationalization to it because like, right. 
I missed so many things for so many years. Mm. I'm not going to be able to make that up, but I can provide us with opportunities to do different things in the future that maybe we couldn't have done before. Well, dude, it's clear to me that you're going to make a hell of a father, man. That's for sure. Like, I, I dude, this has been this has been so great. Um, there's just so many golden little nuggets in here. It's been super good. First of all, just to connect with you, we don't speak. Uh, you and ours relationship, not that anyone really cares, but I'll just say it to you. Like, I I really enjoyed like getting to build a relationship with you. You know, like when I when you first come in when I first came into the gym, it's like I don't fucking know anybody, but you're all you've always just been like super nice dude who will like randomly be like yo, how you doing? Not just like, what up? You know, like you're trying to see how people are doing and like have that deeper conversation. And that comes through, I think also in this podcast. And that's how I've always viewed you as someone who like really cares and as someone who like, who moves slow in that way. What's the rush, you know? And uh, I really value that. I value our friendship. I love you as a teammate, as a person, dude. This has just been, this has been really great. And I'm, I'm super stoked for you, dude. And and hey, that baby's coming soon, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. You got more coming. Thanks. Um, this has been great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, for people who, I don't know, want to get in touch with you for whatever reason, uh, you don't need to give out your phone number, but can people reach out to you or if they want to check out like your wife's photos, you want to plug anything here? This is, uh, for you. Yeah. Um, shoot. Well, my Instagram is at MJA5041. Why 5041? Dude, it was my college email. I had no idea about, so, about social media when I set this up. And I was just like, I don't know. It was my username. So I just La- last like, four yeah. digits of your social security. Maybe Matthew. give it a shot. Give it a shot. CIA number? <laughs> um, my wife is, I, I think she changed it. Was it like snacky, snacky with Jackie? <laughs> or something? It's snacky Gillum. Or she changed it to snacky Anderson. Okay. So, uh, check out her photos. Um, yeah, go for it. I don't know. I don't. Sorry, people. I don't really respond to social media quests. Every now and then, I, I answer questions, but I don't blame you. Honestly, it's just. Oh, that's another thing that I, I don't look at social media anymore. Like for volleyball stuff, you brought it up about like when you first started playing and you were just so stoked, like you want to check out the stats. You want to see the photo, the cool photos from the match that you just played amazing in. Like I was the same way, man. I went, when I played in Korea, I was trying to take all the photos from like the newspapers and online blogs and stuff and post them to Facebook, which was Facebook and MySpace for the, the two things. Yeah, baby. Um, and so, but now I just, like I said, like the intangible thing is the, the reason I play and I've taken, I've tried to take my ego almost completely out of it. Um, I think we still need a, a part of our ego to, mm-hmm. to push us. Cause I mean, if you're not doing it for yourself. You can't do it for anybody else. And I think that only a lot of negative can come from that constant looking at comments, constant, like, how many likes did I get? All this and like, yeah, I think there's a business part of it that I need to be on social media and I need to see things and I need to post certain things, but it's not my end all be all. And the personal stuff is is more important to me. Um, Cause you're a family man, baby. You got cars well, to fix. You got tables to build. You ain't got time to be responding to yeah. all the fucking DMs you're getting. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right, bro. I love you. This has been so great. Thanks for being on Tallest Podcast yeah. on Earth, dude. This is great. Yeah. Love you too, man. All right, baby.